Welcome to Live, Laugh, Talk. I'm your host, James Graham, and I'm happy to be welcome to your ears. Today, we'll start our podcast with a discussion that's one about relationships, and that's live in the land of loyalty. Then we will transition to our segment, How Did We Get Here?, followed by our hobbies and special interest section, and then conclude with a very special sunflower message. You're encouraged to share your thoughts on these subjects at our website, admin at livelaughtalk.com. You can also comment on Spotify, and I can reply back to you. You can add a voice memo as well. And please participate in our poll. Also, wherever you listen to the podcast, whether that's Spotify, Apple, Amazon, TuneIn, Cast Podcast, wherever you listen, please follow us so that you'll be notified of new episodes when they're released. And we sure hope that we satisfy. We wish that you rate us a five because we simply been so much time and we worked so hard to gain your appreciation. Without further ado, the topic that we will begin with is entitled, Live in the Land of Loyalty. On Wednesday, October the 7th, 2009, I made this note in my journal. I was sitting in a hospital. And at this time, I began to think about the word loyalty and what it really means. No, I wasn't a patient in that hospital. I was an observer. Well, what did I observe, you may be asking? Well, I had the privilege to see my sister, who was given life by my mother, give life back to my mother. That day, my sibling laid under the knife to give her kidney to an ailing woman that for 45 years she called affectionately Ma. Just two letters, Ma. And she didn't stop there. She went as far as to tell the doctor that if she passed away during surgery, to harvest her organs for mom. Total selflessness was shown by a child who thought of nothing but her love for her mother. I could only stand to the side, watch this act of loyalty, shed tears, and ask myself, why is her act of loyalty so shocking in the world around us today. We gotta think about our world today. Are children loyal to their parents? Are parents loyal to their children? You can just watch television, court TV. You'll see parents suing their children and vice versa. No loyalty at all. American author Napoleon Hill once wrote, lack of loyalty 
is one of the major causes of failure in every walk of life. Has more conscientious words ever been spoken? I have to admit that most people have a longing for loyalty. Why? Well, because many around us proclaim their loyalty, but it's just a facade. Family, friends, business partners would have us believe that they would die for us. When the truth of the matter is that they may prove to be the root of our demise. Now, is this to say that we all have to live in a state of paranoia and begin to become recluses? No. But this is what causes us to maybe gain cautiousness due to the lack of loyalty. We must recognize that not all people who are part of our life are there for our success. Thus, we see family members and friends suing each other, as mentioned before, killing each other by words, deeds, or maybe even literally. Our cautiousness should limit our surprise when we see their disloyal actions but it should prepare us to accept that loyalty is not a gene in the DNA of most homo sapiens. Now, why do we word it that way? Loyalty is not a gene in the DNA of most homo sapiens. Well, think about our canine species. It has been said that no one or nothing is more loyal than a dog. Now, it's a shame that we are created in God's image. We are actually created in a way that we think in a superiority to any animal. Yet, we're not as loyal. Many say to be loyal means to have an attachment or a bond. Some say it's support or sincerity. To me, it's all of those defining synonyms. In addition, loyalty is a single-minded devotion given in purity and true-heartedness. But if we can't agree on this definition, you may say, well, James, that's how it is to you. We can definitely agree that it's contrary to the undependability, the unfaithfulness, the aversion, the opposition, and the animosity that characterize most today. Therefore, it's safe to say that loyalty is a word variedly defined by many, but stringently lived by few. Of course, we cannot change others. We shouldn't even try. You know, I know that many people believe that they can, but they can't. And not to go on a rant, but I've seen dating individuals, and they'll see traits that they don't like about the other person. And then they'll go on to marry this person anyway thinking that they can change them. Now, how false that reasoning has proved to be. We can only work on changing ourselves, and still that's a work that's going to be progressive. So you know what? Let's go there. Let's do that. Let's change ourselves, because all of us have traits that need correcting. The work on ourselves should begin right now. It should begin today. It should begin after we hear these words. Because if we find ourselves 
resenting the accolades of our friends. Think about that. Are we being loyal? So what do we need to do to ourselves? We need to stop. We need to take a breath and join in giving our friend more recognition rather than to begin a campaign to annihilate them. If a family member struggles, well, let's be loyal. How can we be loyal? Well, we can stretch out our hand to uplift instead of extend our foot to stomp down. If a business partner is better accepted within the community than we are, let's not get jealous. Let's be loyal. Why don't we use their great traits to better the corporation than to threaten its ruination by tearing apart the organization as a whole through opposition based on insecurity? We know ourselves better than anyone else will ever know us. May we make every effort to find the disloyal traits inside of our hearts and replace them with a resolution of devotion, scrupulousness, and trustworthiness that characterizes one as loyal. I like you, probably remember growing up seeing Bob Barker on The Price is Right. At the end of that show, Bob would always remind us about the growing pet population. He would conclude with saying, this is Bob Barker reminding you to help control the pet population. Have your pets spayed or neutered. Bob Barker said that to all of us while we were growing up. And his last show, our regular showing, was in 2007. Doesn't seem that long, does it? But, man, time flies. So since 2007, what do you think has happened to the pet population? I mean, Bob kept reminding us day by day, every day on that show for five days a week. Well, according to the Humane Society of the United States, there are about 70 million strays nationwide. You heard that number correctly. Seven zero with an M. Of those, an estimated 5 million to 7 million animals wind up in the nation's 3,500 shelters. And as I always point out, you don't have to be the greatest mathematician You don't have to be Einstein to figure out the problem there. If you've got five to seven million animals, yet 3,500 shelters, then you've got overcrowding. Well, the problem with that is, is what these stray animals can do to the environment. See, there's diseases out there, such as rabies, that poses a huge threat to humans. Matter of fact, we don't even think about rabies on a grand scale, but it's actually fatal. It's fatal to humans as well as to the animals who carry it. And they can become aggressive, bite without provocation. 
But in addition to that, they develop diseases that can spread to other animals that can destroy our communities. Because believe it or not, animals are helpful to the environment. It said, in addition to that, that the cause of such things is the very fact that many people adopt pets without counting the cost. And then when they can't care for that pet anymore, they just let it go. Take it out into the woods and just let it go. And there's also no neutering or spaying, as Bob used to remind us. There's a lot of abandoned dogs out there that are free roaming. And as a result, they begin to have other dogs and other cats. And that begins to really cover the high proportion of the population. That's why we have so many. That's why Bob used to remind us of this. You would think that this number is going down, but yet every year this number increases. And there seems to be no end in sight. As a matter of fact, there are individuals that run our uh, shelters that are saying that they have seen an increase like never before. One gentleman mentioned that he's been working at a shelter for eight years and he's never seen it so full in the dog areas. And he said the cats are also a constant problem. He says it fills up every year, at least for a time, if not throughout the entire year. He's seen an uptick that he's never experienced working at a shelter. That's a shame. But that's sad because we know, and we've always said, in this country at least, that animals are man's best friend. Yet man has abandoned them. And now there's real risk of real problems as diseases spread not only to the animal population, but now into the human population as some of these animals will attack. So what can we do to help? Well, we need to work on getting our dogs spayed or neutered. We need to count the cost before adopting an animal. And we just frankly need to use more common sense. If we see a stray animal as well, we might not want to just walk up to it, grab it and throw it in our car and take it to a shelter or take it home. We want to call animal control and make sure that that animal gets to a shelter properly so that no one gets, gets hurt in the meantime. Us or the animal trying to grab it and, and take care of it. That could be dangerous to both of us. But when numbers begin to escalate, when it gets to be 70 million strays nationwide, we have to stop and ask ourselves, how did we get here? Some of my fondest memories, when I think about the special interests and hobby section, I think of some of my fondest memories being in an RV. Yes, RVing 
across the country, or even on small trips to a local campsite can be very enjoyable. Well, why, you may ask? And the things is so big, like why would I wanna drive something so big, so large? Well, the reason being, we're gonna start first with the why part. It's like taking your home and driving off and putting that house in another location. Basically that simple. You can take the things that you need to take, your clothes, other items, and put it in the closets, nothing's all wrinkled, and you just get out on the road, go where you want, get up, shower, dress, just like you were at home. We would have an, a ball at some of the local campsites. You can log online to a KOA or look at Good Sam, and it has well over 500 locations. And some of these areas are even state parks with beautiful scenery around. I know that now times have changed and so different than before. Back in the day, you would go to load up that RV, go to a gas station and just sit there all day long. It sucked up all the gas. Well, now we have fuel-efficient RVs. Some of them out there can get several miles to the gallon using diesel technology and not costing hundreds of thousands of dollars like before. In addition, the room in these RVs, they stretch out now. They have slides. Some of them almost stretch out to a double wide. And if you're like me and you're over six foot tall, it means a lot to have arm room. Also, you want that height as well. So many today are made just right. Whether you're small or tall, you'll fit right inside that RV and find you and your family having a lot of fun. And you don't have to purchase anymore. Back in the day, that was the only way you had it. Now you can rent an RV, put it on the road, have fun with your family, and even travel cross-country, stopping at different campsites along the way. It will be stories that your children can talk about for years to come. So I encourage you, if you've never tried it, give it a try. Rent an RV and get on the road. And if you go to one of those campsites on KOA, I'll see you there. Growing up, the son of a mother who was a school teacher and a father who loved James Baldwin, I got to the place where I was able to read many books. And James Baldwin became one of my favorite writers. He was able to relate to me and his words and was able to just say things in such a way that made me think about it later on. His words were powerful. They never had to be written. But today we got a very special sunflower message. And this sunflower message is really for all the lovers out there. Those who are in relationships where they just can't wait to come home. Oh, and for those of us out there that may not have such a relationship. We long for it. We all know 
but love heals. But James Baldwin, he said that falling in love was not merely the key to my life, but to life itself. How beautiful. We're going to take an excerpt from this essay, Take Me to the Water. And featured in that book is No Name Industry, where he talks about falling in love. Let's begin. Well, time passes and passes. It passes backward and it passes forward. And it carries you along. And no one in the whole wide world knows more about time than this. It is carrying you through an element you do not understand and to an element you will not remember. Yet something remembers. It could even be said that something avenges the trap of our century and the subject now before us. I left home, Harlem, in 1942. I returned in 1946 to do with a white photographer. One of several unpublished efforts had planned to marry. They realized that I couldn't or should, which comes to the same thing. So I threw my wedding rings into the Hudson River and left New York for Paris in 1948. By this time, of course, I was mad, as mad as my dead father. If I had not gone mad, I could not have left. I starved in Paris for a while, but I learned something. But one thing, I fell in love. Or more accurately, I realized and accepted for the first time that love was not merely a general human possibility, nor merely the disaster it had so often by then been for me. According to me, nor was it something that happened to other people, like death. Nor was it merely a mortal danger. It was among my possibilities. For here it was, breathing and belching beside me. And it was the key to life. Not merely the key to my life, but to life itself. My falling in love is in no way the subject of this book, and yet honesty compels me to place it among the details, for I think I know that my story would be a very different one if love had not forced me to attempt to deal with myself. It began to pry open for me the trap of color, for people do not fall in love according to their color. This may come as news to noble pioneers and eloquent astronauts, to say nothing of most of the representatives of most of the American states. And when lovers quarrel, as indeed they inevitably do, it is not the degree of their pigmentation that they're quarreling about, nor can lovers on any level, whatever, use color as a weapon. This means that one must accept one's nakedness, and nakedness has no color. This can come as news only to those who have never covered or been covered by another naked human being. In any case, the world changes then, and it changes forever because you love one human being. You see everyone else very differently than you saw them before. Perhaps I only mean to say that you begin to see, and you are both stronger and more vulnerable, both free and bound, 
free because now you have a home and that home is your lover's arms and bound to that mystery, precisely a bondage which liberates you into something of the glory and suffering of the world. Well, I tell you what, can anyone describe love any more beautifully? Baldwin definitely was able to articulate sexuality, race, and love and show us that we can be galvanized by love, saying that bondage which liberates into something of the glory and the suffering of the world. Well, I'll tell you what, just reading that, I got goosebumps. And I hope you did too. I hope it raised the level of your awareness of the relationship that you have with the one you love. And for those of us who may not have that relationship and long for it, you know what he was speaking of as well. On our website, livelaughtalk.com and on Twitter, at LiveLaughTalker, you can donate to support our podcast. We really appreciate any and everything. As a matter of fact, you're hearing us on new microphones donated to us by one of our listeners. How beautiful. Also remember to rate us a five on your podcast platform and tell your friends, family, and colleagues about us. This is James and George's baby boy signing off. And as you already know, I can't wait to talk with you soon.